It's the rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Tuesday, July 27th. Wrapping up tears today with tight ends. It's not a, a, a large group. Not a lot of tears. But uh, we definitely need to you know, figure out how we're going to attack the position in fantasy football drafts. To draft the elite option or not, that is the question for us this year. Before I get into that, though... I did want to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers because the news breaking this morning, he's officially in Green Bay. You may have seen this yesterday. Uh, Ian Rappaport kind of kicked things off after the Packers shareholders meeting uh, where they, you know, the CEO, Mark Murphy said, "I, I have no idea if he's going to be here or not. But Ian Rappaport said, essentially, people close to the situation uh, said that he was going to report. Adam Schefter then adding to the mix, saying that there's um, a restructure that is anticipated here in terms of Rogers' contract. Uh, essentially, the details being that it would wipe out the 2023 season of the current deal. Uh, there would be no franchise or transition tags permissible after the deal expires, which would be after the 2022 season. And the Packers would also agree to review the situation at the end of this season. There's some conversion of uh, some of his salary to a bonus so that they can actually have uh, more cap room in 2021. whole bunch of different things here. And it sounds like some of the issues that he had with the team will be addressed via mechanisms. I don't know what that means. It's just what the report says. The key takeaway here, though, is he's going to play for the Packers. So if you were drafting Rodgers as like a like ninth or 10th round guy in best balls, congratulations. You did a really good job because he's going to play for the Packers. Uh, this definitely relieves all of that pressure. It, it puts Devontae Adams back to the number one spot uh, among uh, wide receivers. For Rodgers, I would put him in the number one potential tier, which is where I basically had him all along. I now have him at number six. So it's Mahomes, Allen, Murray, Dak, Lamar, Rodgers. So Rodgers slides in ahead of Russell Wilson, ahead of Jalen Hurts, ahead of Justin Herbert, ahead of Matthew Stafford, all these guys in that range. I actually have uh, Herbert ahead of Jalen Hurts. Uh, But just taking a peek at my tiers, remember I subdivided Jalen Hurts into his own tier just because of the risk-reward. As far as the running backs are concerned... Again, this this is very good for Aaron Jones. My biggest concern was whether or not they'd be able to move the football uh, without Jones on the field. Well, I don't have any <laughs> I don't have any concerns about that anymore. Uh, so where we currently sit with Aaron Jones, I'm going to move him to seven among running backs, and really that means seven overall because I'm not willing to draft Travis Kelsey ahead of him. So Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb. I did move Saquon Barkley down a tick. Uh, he now becomes more of a boomer bust option with the possibility that he may miss the beginning part of the season, a game or two. We shall see, uh, but certainly more risky today than he was uh, perhaps a couple weeks ago. Uh, so just keep that in mind. But everything is good uh, in Green Bay now with Rodgers back under center. Uh, At least, I mean, it isn't official as when I'm recording this, but he's in Green Bay. He's going to report to camp. 
So much ado about nothing there. We'll still keep an eye on Deshaun Watson's situation. No new news there in terms of any uh, trade or anything along those lines. Uh, It does sound like the asking price is a bit too high. Also, there is the possibility he could still land on commissioner's exempt, even though he's not placed on it now. The NFL has not told him one way or the other. They haven't said you're not going to be placed on it. They haven't said you will be. So anyway, let's dive into tight ends. And in fantasy football, we see this every single year, the pendulum effect. If something happens the previous year, the fantasy football community not only reacts to it, but oftentimes overreacts to it. The pendulum swings too far in the other direction. Last year, if you had Travis Kelsey, chances are you did pretty good in fantasy football. There are a lot of championship teams and home leagues who had Travis Kelsey. But we do need to consider that, yes, while he was a massive advantage last year, last year also happened where there really was only one other elite-level tight end, Darren Waller. The rest of the tight ends were somewhat tightly bunched. You had a few guys who were slightly ahead of 3-for-32 territory, more like 4-for-44 territory. But then, largely, it was a whole bunch of 3-for-32 guys who, if they scored a touchdown, they were a good fantasy option, and if they didn't, they weren't, right? That's largely what you had. You had George Kittle hurt. You didn't have, uh, you know, Hawkinson wasn't quite there to elite level. Kyle Pitts obviously wasn't in the league. Mark Andrews, while still had a really good year, regressed from a touchdown standpoint. So the question is, do more guys join them at the top? And if they do, it becomes less of an advantage to have Travis Kelsey. And you're going to have to draft Travis Kelsey in the first round if you want him this year. You may not think you have to. I'm telling you right now, you're going to have to if you want him. And I don't know if that creates as much of an advantage as perhaps going after Hawkinson, Pitts. Pitts may go a little bit earlier than he should. Or Andrews, or possibly my wheelhouse here, which I'm going to get to. But that's your decision, ultimately. If you feel confident in roster construction, if you get Kelsey in the first or Waller-Kittle in the second, then by all means, go for it. We know they're elite. I mean, Kittle maybe has a little bit of injury concern after last year, but either way, we know all three of these guys are absolutely elite. They are rock stars. They are, Kelsey is basically the one in one A with, with Hill. They're the top targets on their teams. They are elite, but I don't know if that's the way I want to build a roster. Again, I'm not going to talk you out of it, but I see myself, unless I somehow, they're they're in a spot where they shouldn't be. Travis Kelsey, middle of the second round. Darren Waller, middle of the third round. Kittle, middle of the third round. I'm probably going to fade those guys. So as I said, it really comes to the next tier and beyond where we're going to attack. So why don't we do this? We'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the next two tiers of tight ends. So if you do end up fading the big three, the next group of three are high-end tight end ones. And I do think that's the approach this year. Every year we do see a guy come out of the woodwork like a Robert Tunyon last year, but it's so hard to identify those guys in fantasy football drafts. And so you could, in theory, yes, you could completely punt the position and hope to land one of those guys, or... You can get somebody from this next, essentially five, maybe maybe uh, seven tight ends. I say maybe seven. I'll tell you about that. I mean, let's call it eight. The next eight. Because each one of these guys has 
really uh, top three potential if everything shakes out the right way. But there are more question marks with each of them. So at the top of that group, though, it is TJ Hawkinson. Uh, He is going to be the top target for the Lions. Now, he's the top target for the Lions. (laughs) He's not the top target for the Chiefs. But Jared Goff is a capable enough quarterback, and triple-digit target seems very likely. If I am targeting anybody out of, outside of the big three and really prioritizing, it's going to be Hawkinson. I actually grabbed him in the pros versus Joe's draft I did the other night, which is tight end premium scoring. So tight ends went a little bit earlier than they normally do, but I prioritized Hawkinson because I wanted one of the top five. The other guy in the top five for me is Kyle Pitts. I know some people may be reluctant to have a rookie in their top five at the position, but he's special, and he has a prime opportunity to see a ton of targets with Julio Jones out of the mix. Andrews is also in this next tier, though. So tier two for me, Hawkinson, Pitts, Andrews. That's the next group. So with this group, Andrews at the bottom of it, certainly uh, a little bit more touchdown dependent than uh, maybe Hawkinson is. He's not going to see as much volume, but he does have a major ceiling when it turns in when it comes to touchdowns. I mean, he had ten, uh, you know, double digits the previous year. Last year, still a pretty solid year. I know some people were disappointed, but overall, it's tight end, and he was still he was still a top ten option at the position. Uh, so you know, he's certainly the guy who I want the least out of this group, but not a bad consolation if you can get him at a decent value. After that, I have this little wheelhouse group of tight ends. And this is why I said, you know, let's go to, let's maybe say there's seven or eight of these guys who we could possibly target if we don't get the big, uh, big three. So I have Goddard, Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, Tyler Higby, Adam Troutman in this group. I think this is the wheelhouse. And Troutman slides into this group after Mike, the Michael Thomas news, which I'll talk about in, in a sec here. We have a little bit more clarity on what's going on with Michael Thomas and what to expect heading into the season. But anyway, Goddard, I would have Goddard in the next tier up if Zach Ertz was out of the mix. I'd have him, I actually probably would have him right behind Hawkinson ahead of Pitts. But Zach Ertz is still going to be there. He's not Zach Ertz from four years ago. But he is still going to see some targets, so that cannibalizes some of Goddard's work. Logan Thomas, there's a lot of mouths to feed, but he's a solid option with a capable quarterback. Noah Fant would be higher if he had a capable quarterback. That doesn't look likely this year unless somehow they land Deshaun Watson. Tyler Higby now doesn't have to share the stage with Gerald Everett, so that helps the cause, and he has a pretty capable quarterback himself. And then Troutman, as I mentioned, slides up. Uh, I'm not going to overreact to Michael Thomas, but we definitely need to react to Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas now looks like he could start the season on the PUP. That was reported yesterday by Ian Rappaport. So the physically unable to perform list in season is mandatory six weeks. So the first six weeks of the season, he cannot practice with the team, etc. He can then return once he returns to practice that starts the clock he has three weeks to get on the active roster basically so he's not even guaranteed to be back in week seven but that would look likely for Michael Thomas regardless of who's under center Troutman is arguably the biggest beneficiary I mean Traquan Smith sure but Troutman now is in a position to be the number one tight end already and all those short and intermediate targets that would go to Michael Thomas well, a lot of them could funnel Adam Troutman's way. Now, keep in mind, once Thomas comes back, though, 
they funnel right away from Troutman. So he could look a lot better over the first month and a half of the season than he does down the stretch. So keep that in mind with Troutman, but I do like him to take a big step forward. Uh, my fourth tier, if I do somehow miss out on these guys, I have uh, high ceiling options and then low ceiling options. So here's your high ceiling. Robert Tunyon, especially with Rodgers back. Mike Kosicki, Evan Ingram, Irv Smith. All of these guys have very high ceilings. They do come with a lot of volatility, whereas the low ceiling options don't come with as much volatility, but lower ceiling. And I don't want a low ceiling tight end. Rob Gronkowski, Blake Jarwin, Cole Komet, Zach Ertz. Gronk is an all-time great, but the ceiling just isn't where it, where it used to be. Jarwin, you know, you have Dalton Schultz on that roster. They're going to cannibalize off of each other. Cole Komet, you know, maybe the ceiling raises when Fields takes over, but I, I don't want to count on that. And then I just talked about Zach Ertz. Now, there is a, a, a third grouping to this fourth tier. So 4A is the high ceiling. 4B is the low ceiling. 4C is New England. John o. Smith and Hunter Henry. I am avoiding these guys, not because I don't like them, because I actually really like both of them. My love for Hunter Henry is longstanding, and a lot of people know that. The problem is we don't know who's going to get the targets. We don't even know who's going to be under center yet for that team. If it's Cam Newton, um, I just don't love the. I don't like the passing game at all. Not enough volume, and it's Cam Newton. If it is Mac Jones, well, it's a little bit more exciting, but then there's also volatility of having the rookie quarterback under center in what historically is a pretty complicated offense. So here's my advice. Let somebody else draft them. They're probably going to drop them, <laughs> by the way. And uh, let's just see how this shakes out. Once we get a better sense of it, maybe we pick one of them up on waivers or it's just somebody else's headache, right? I would much rather go after the high ceiling options of Tunyon, Gesicki, Ingram, or Smith, as opposed to either Jonu Smith, and that's Irv Smith, either Jonu Smith or Hunter Henry. If you want to throw a dart in the last rounds, I would say Gerald Everett and Anthony Ferkser are the options. Everett's in an interesting position. It's historically been a tight end friendly offense, although it is a new new system in Seattle. So we'll see what happens there. And then Ferkser is in a position to be the guy. For Tennessee, however, they're going to be pretty darn run heavy. Uh, in terms of guys I would be avoiding in the late rounds, Austin Hooper, Eric Ebron, Jared Cook, Dawson Knox, no appeal to any of these guys. Names that you know, very likely. Uh, some of these guys have been around the fantasy football block for uh, many a time, but eh, no thank you. Uh, my watch list, I do have a watch list of guys who could potentially be streamers at some point. O.J. Howard, Moali Cox, Chris Herndon, and Donald Parham. O.J. Howard, I still believe in the skill set, and he's got a nice opportunity this year to take a step forward, so we'll see if that happens. Of course, I'm not going to bank on it, but still a young guy. Moali Cox showed some, some juice in the red zone last year. Maybe with Carson Wentz under center, we get some more of that juice this year, but again, I don't want to bank on Carson Wentz. Uh, returning to his former glory. Chris Herndon does the unicorn finally uh, spread his wings. I don't know. <laughs> With uh, Zach Wilson under center, does he finally show up? And then how about Donald Parham? A great opportunity for him. There, you know, Jared Cook is there, but Parham's a really interesting player. Big body guy. Uh, 
just you know rare athleticism for his size too so he could be interesting so we'll keep an eye on all of those guys right there all right that wraps up the tiers and draft strategy podcast we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the pod but in the meantime do me a favor go check out ftnfantasy.com and don't forget to follow along with me on social media of course i'm at jeff Radcliffe on twitter at jeff Radcliffe on instagram use the hashtag rat pack that way i know you're a listener of the show And, yeah, feel free to hit me up on either. I'm answering questions left and right, baby. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.